Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor and publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies that's available at paralegalmentor.com. And I'm Lynn DeVenny. I'm a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal employed by a small law firm, Elliott Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, Most of you probably know me as the blogger at Practical Paralegalism. I'm very excited about a new series of posts, including the Road to the NALA CP Exam, or I'm Nuts, and the uh, Paralegal iPad. Oh, I wish you lots of luck with that, Lynn. I have many war stories about studying for the CLA exam. And I want to hear them all. (laughs) You will. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, um, some significant developments and resources that you'll find helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. We'll also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. Now, you listeners at home can't see me bouncing up and down in my chair, but I am very excited about today's guest. We will be spotlighting a standout paralegal expert. That's right, Len, and I'm excited about it, too. Our guest today is William Bill Statsky. Bill is one of the foremost experts on paralegals in the country. He's the author of numerous paralegal and legal writing textbooks, including Introduction to Paralegalism, Perspectives, Problems, and Skills, This textbook is widely used in introductory paralegal courses nationwide, and it's actually now in its seventh edition. So welcome to the Paralegal Voice, Bill. Thanks very much. I very much appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Bill, just to put your prolific writing career in perspective for our listeners, approximately how many copies of your books have been published to date? And I know the number's pretty high. Well, uh, as far as the actual... uh Sales or the the the, the, the different uh, titles themselves. There's, there's there's probably about fifteen books out there, and they've sold about a million copies. I've been at it for a while. Wow! Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, they've uh, they've been I've been active in the field. I just got my author report of sales from Carolina Academic Press, and I can tell you, it's nowhere near a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Next you, you kind of. You put Linda and I to shame with her one book and, and the one that I'm working on myself. So anyway, I, we know that you had a life before you became a nationally recognized uh, paralegal textbook author and expert. So tell us a little bit about your career before then. Well, I I started after law school uh, at Standard Oil of New Jersey in their legal department uh, in, in New York. I, I then ran a, a law school program that placed law students in prisons to observe and interact with inmates and administrative staff. I also had a number of uh, jobs along the way before I came into the paralegal field. For example, I was on the transition team when Ronald Reagan became president. I was assigned to work in the field of banking and co-ops. 
So I've been uh, I've been busy. Wow, that's a pretty varied and interesting career. Um, Bill, when did you start writing paralegal textbooks, and how did that come about? Well, I'm ancient history. I began around uh, 1970. At that time, there were only four uh, paralegal programs, four schools that offered uh, paralegal training in the country. Uh, at the time, I was at the uh, National Paralegal Institute. Um, the federal government wanted to encourage the use of paralegals in the public sector, in legal aid offices, legal service programs, and the like. And the Paralegal Institute, Institute was created to provide this support and encouragement to get more uh, attorneys to use more uh, paralegals. Uh, and so what I did at the Institute was to help create short-term training programs for non-lawyers. Uh, they were called legal paraprofessionals then, uh, legal service assistants and the like. One day at the Institute, the editor of West Publishing Company came by to talk about doing an introductory textbook for paralegals. There were none in existence at that time. Most of the uh, courses in the country, particularly at these four programs, Philadelphia, St. Louis, um, and the like, they, they used mimeograph materials that the teachers uh, uh, prepared and passed out, but nothing had been published. Uh, so West wanted to get into the field. Uh, so they talked to Dan Oran and myself. Dan Oran uh, uh, also worked at the Institute. He and I got a contract to do the introduction book together. Eventually, uh, he split off and did his legal dictionary for non-lawyers, and I did the uh, introduction book alone. Well, I'm counting about 40 years, so uh, you've obviously <laughs> you've obviously right. seen a lot of changes in the paralegal profession. And what do you think has been the biggest change? I think the biggest change has been the uh, reality of how paralegals have become uncontroversial. They've, they've become natural to the field. This was not the case back in the, the 70s and, and the 80s. Uh, there was a lot of concern about whether these individuals were going to compete with attorneys. Uh, there was a lot of concern about how how are they used? What are they uh, how are they different from secretaries? Well, uh, all of that concern has evaporated. Paralegals are a natural and non-controversial part of the legal service delivery system. That's an enormous change from what, uh, from what existed in those days. I agree, Bill. I think, actually, paralegals and attorneys are just two integral parts of the team and really one doesn't do well without the other. That's right. Um, have, having seen so much change over the, the last several decades, what do you think um, the future of the profession holds? Any dramatic changes or well, from where I, we I are now? In, in, in the, we need to distinguish between the, the private sector and the public sector. By public sector, I mean paralegals who work uh, in legal aid, who uh, are, are, are perhaps independent paralegals who work in, uh, separate from attorneys, and then the private sector, uh, those who work in traditional law offices, in corporations and the like. In the uh, private sector, uh, I, I don't see uh, great change happening except for the continued development, the continued growth the continued appreciation uh, of the roles that paralegals play. That's going to continue. Uh, there'll be some regulation, I think, in the, uh, 
in the private sector. They're, the, the, the movement towards certification has uh, quieted down a little bit, certification through bar associations and the like. We'll see more of that. And uh, paralegals in the uh, private sector uh, will be interested in, in exploring that. But I don't think there's going to be any systematic change uh, of any great uh, uh, significance in the uh, in the private sector. I think there will be some big developments in the uh, public sector and with independence. Uh, one of these days, we're going to get an explosion of some state that is going to say, yes, uh, we're going to allow uh, non-attorneys to handle certain kinds of closings for real estate or to represent parties in uncontested divorces. Uh, it's going to be narrow, but it's going to be dramatic. Uh, and, and then we'll see these little pockets of changes like that. Uh, slowly emerging in different parts of the country, not without massive struggles and concern. But uh, I think there's going to be a, a, a further blending uh, uh, of the roles of lawyer and, and, and non-lawyer uh, in that arena, in those arena. It'll be slow, but I think it'll be dramatic. Well, what advice would you give to people who are thinking about becoming paralegals now in, in this age that we're at, the stage that we're at? Well, I think two things are very important. First, uh, I think it's tremendously uh, helpful and, and necessary to talk with employed and unemployed paralegals about the job market. What are the realities of finding a job? Uh, employed and unemployed paralegals, people looking for paralegal work, uh, are obviously experts in answering that question. Uh, there's a lot of literature from the schools about uh, the excitement uh, uh, in the paralegal field, which is true, which is accurate. But it doesn't always give the correct, accurate uh, flavor of what it's like to find uh, employment. So I, and I, so I think there's a need to talk with uh, paralegals uh, uh, and, 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 and who are employed in paralegals looking for work about what's going on in that arena. The other thing that I think would be uh, very important, if you, if you know an attorney, and, and, and people do know attorneys in their church and synagogue, in their neighborhood, uh, the children, uh, uh, parents of, uh, of a relative, see if there's any possibility of, of saying to that attorney, can I volunteer in your office for a week just to, to do anything, to type, to get coffee? Um, to 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 look inside for at a small uh, at, a, at a small pace uh, a modest amount of time uh, I think it could be an eye opener an eye opener particularly in uh, private law offices uh, to find out uh, what it's really like again the literature that exists is very helpful uh, some of the best literature written by paralegals is is kind of buried in a lot of paralegal newsletters and the like, and I think it's very difficult um, for someone wanting to enter the field to get access to that literature. Uh, but uh, uh, trying to uh, look from the inside for a little bit uh, in any kind of role and certainly talking with uh, individuals who uh, are in the field and are looking to uh, enter the field would be very helpful. 
Bill, I agree with all of those recommendations. When people ask me the same question, I encourage them to get to know the legal want ads in the area of the country where they want to work very well, not just look at them once or twice, but kind of study them continuously. Go to uh, paralegal association meetings and actually talk to some of the paralegals there about what they're doing in the job right. market. Um, and the next thing we're getting ready to talk to, you know, I... Um, when I was a paralegal instructor for five years, I think the thing that surprised my students the most was the um, how well developed their writing skills had to be. Um, the ability to write well is critical for paralegals. Um, for those who want to develop their writing skills, who maybe aren't using them as much as they can on their job or in their program, um, what do you recommend that they do to become better writers? Yeah, I agree with you that that's a uh, extremely important area. And people uh, do uh, want to stay away from it. Uh, well, a number of things come to mind. First, um, regardless of whether you're asked to do any writing uh, uh, on the job, and I'm talking about full sentence writing, full paragraph writing. Everybody writes little notes and makes little jottings here and there. Uh, we're not talking about that kind of writing. We're talking about uh, a, a, a well-constructed, thought-out uh, sentence subject, verb, and, and, and uh, an object. Well, I think that it's important to, to write often on your own initiative. Uh, to get beyond talking about it, people have listened to the concerns about uh, the importance of writing, uh, and they agree. But what's needed is to uh, get to actual writing the, yourself. Now, where to do that? Um, if you are an employed paralegal, I mean, there are tons of newsletters who would love to have uh, a submission uh, to you, a, a day in the life of, or any any task that you have. Uh, you could spend a couple of paragraphs to describe it. Get it out there. The, 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 the kind of fear of putting it down and getting it out and subjecting yourself needs to be overcome. How do you overcome it? <laughs> do it. Do it often. Uh, the blogging arena is is critical. I mean, it's now uh, very easy and, and no cost to set up your own blog. Uh, it should be done. So there's the fear factor. There's the hesitancy of, of doing uh, writing. That's point number one. Get over that. And the only way to do that is to constantly do it on your own. Uh, get into the habit uh, on your own initiative to... Uh, to proceed in that arena. Next, find a mentor. Find someone who can look at what you've written with a critical eye. Um, you're not going to grow uh, unless somebody is evaluating in, in, uh, extensively or minimally, but some kind of evaluation uh, of what it is that you are doing and uh, miracle of miracles actually gets you to the point of doing some rewriting. Because that's where the learning comes, when uh, you do rewriting. And you're not going to do rewriting unless someone says, that isn't clear. Or, uh, you know, I'm not sure how you got to that point. Or something is missing. Uh, you need a mentor. You need someone who will uh, do that for you, you know, once a week, once a month. It doesn't have to be extensive, but I think it's very important to go hunting for someone who will give you that kind of feedback. The third thing that comes to mind is uh, the basics, grammar and composition. There are courses everywhere, adult education, community 
uh, colleges. Uh, you know, set, set for yourself a goal that I'm going to, twice a year, I'm going to take one, two courses and just the basics. Uh, you know, it could be a weekend course. It could be an entire, uh, you know, every Saturday for a, a, a half a, sem- a semester course, Some, something that fits within your schedule and doesn't take over, but there, uh, take, take over your life. But there are these opportunities available for free, uh, and they should be uh, utilized. They should be taken advantage of. They are, they are, they are around. Uh, I, would, uh, I would do that as a, an important step in the, in the direction of uh, writing. Bill, that's all terrific advice. Uh, it's time to take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Bill Statsky. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice, where our guest today is Bill Statsky, one of the foremost experts on paralegals in the country and also the author of numerous paralegal and legal writing textbooks. Bill, you are so generous with your time. You even answer questions in response to posts on national paralegal listservs, such as, well, there's Paralegal Gateway's Yahoo group and Paralegal Today's online forum. What I'd like to know, since I'm really interested in time management, is how you structure your time to fit everything in. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult question to uh, answer. I mean, I, I I do know that one of the most important techniques that I use uh, when uh, once I've decided I would like to do something, I would like to uh, to contribute something, I would like to respond is to blot out the uh, the concept of time. Because if, if I'm going to be worried about uh, the amount of time that it's going to take, I, I'm not going to do it. So, uh, I, you know, I make a quick assessment of, of, of what I can pull together, and but, I'm, but, but I get the clock out of my mentality, and I simply sit down and I start uh, doing it. Uh, if if there are certain realities that have to take over that this is taking too much time or this isn't working, okay, at that point I'll allow uh, the, 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 the sword of the clock to uh, intervene. But I won't do the planning in advance and say, well, how much time is this going to take? Do I have? I mean, I, I, I find just personally that that paralyzes me. That the most important thing is to stop what you're doing and just concentrate entirely on uh, the response that you're trying to uh, uh, get together and do it. 
And I have found that in the in the vast majority of circumstances, that it it gets me through. By the way, I'm not just talking about the smaller task. How somebody on an online uh, forum is looking for a, a form, or somebody is looking for a lead. Those are relatively small tasks that can be time consuming. But I'm talking also about the massive tasks that I have. I've got a, a whole new edition or a whole new book. And uh, generally speaking, I've found with with tasks that there are two exciting. Uh, dimensions uh, of a task. The beginning, when you're planning about it, oh, this is this would be great, and you're excited. Oh, this could you could do it this way, that way, and then the ending, when it's once it's finally coming together. But in between, between that excitement of of of, of this is a, this would be a great idea, and actually seeing it, the product at the end, there's there are enormous difficulties of of how could this possibly work? This is way over my head. Well. How I manage that is again by trying to focus uh, on, on a very narrow task in front of me, and uh, simply say to myself, "Look, I don't know if I can do all of this. I don't know if the time could fit in, but all I'm going to try to solve right now is how to complete this sentence right in front of me, or how to create this little assignment now, or how to find this site that somebody is looking for." And I'll just, I'll just worry about the big picture, uh, uh, you know, later, or if I'm lucky, not at all. Uh, Bill, you just gave me a great idea for a new blog that I'm going to write about the time in between the great idea and actually <laughs> executing it. It's going to be called the paralegal procrastinator. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I know a lot about that middle period. <laughs> um, we want to make our listeners aware that you are now a contributing blogger at Paralegal Gateway. Um, what's going to meet the main focus of your post, and, and what do you think about the growing number of paralegal blogs? Well, it. Uh the, the focus that I've had is, is ethics and the unauthorized practice of law. Uh, the the issues that come up uh, throughout the country um, in that arena uh, is where I uh, I have focused uh, on on the uh, paralegal gateway. I mean, I think that uh, uh, the paralegal blogs is uh, one of the most exciting things that has happened um, in the in the field uh, for. For decades, literally, uh, uh, a, a question has been: How can paralegals uh, uh, contribute uh, at the uh, organizational level, at the design level? Right? You know, lawyers control all of that. Uh, the bar association says something. Okay, we follow. If they don't say something, we don't follow. Well, what about the paralegal? Well, there are the paralegal organizations. That has been magnificent. Uh, but it, at the other level of uh, uh, contributing, at other levels, it, it, there hasn't been a lot that has occurred. Now there is this voice, these voices, the paralegal blogs that have just started to emerge. Uh, and they can say things independent of, 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 of attorneys, uh, uh, contribute thoughts about the development, get information out. It's a, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the political, uh, the politician says, I, I want to speak directly to the, to the people rather than through the medium of, of the press. Well, here's paralegal, paralegals themselves able to talk to the universe directly. Uh, without the filter of the bar associations and the like. I think that the potential for that is enormous. 
as it grows, as more uh, bloggers uh, come on board, as associations of bloggers and consortium of, of, of bloggers uh, in the paralegal field uh, begin to emerge and, and they start creating uh, more and more entities uh, for uh, continued communication and expanded and, and sophisticated communication. So I, I think that's a tremendous uh, new development that has occurred. Well, Bill, when I th- I think about what technology and the internet have done for us, uh, and and given us the ability to uh, have this voice in the industry, uh, it it's been just uh, a magnificent change really? that you know we didn't have the opportunity for ten years ago, even so. Now, technology that's used by legal professionals has, has, as I said, changed really dramatically in this last decade. So what we'd like to know is what is your favorite electronic gadget? <laughs> well, if you, you know, tell me I'm... you're still typing on a typewriter, uh, <laughs> I, might hang up. I might hang up now. Right, yeah, right. he tried to tell me I, one day uh, he didn't have any electricity. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, for years, uh, uh, did all my work on uh, on royal typewriters with, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't even electric. I'm not a big user of uh, beyond the basic computer, and, uh, you know, it's given me pretty much what I need. I've done some, uh, right now, the teaching I've done is, is online teaching, and there's less of a need for me to uh, tap into uh, all of the, all of the uh, the technology. Uh, I I'm up on the latest uh, uh, of the basics, which is uh, the latest uh, operational systems and the latest uh, uh, computers and and the like. But as far as the uh, you know the iPods and the uh, the ePods and the OPods, I I really haven't uh, tapped into it. There hasn't been a need for me to uh to do that and so i'm not a i'm not a gadget uh uh person in that sense uh bill just quickly what is your favorite online resource for paralegals if you could just name one that is indispensable well you mean besides practical paralegalism and besides yeah the besides my blog yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Thank google you. please I, don't I, say google that <laughs> i i would say it's it's google I mean, you know, I could go on and on about the, the, the ways in which it could be used and, and, uh, and the, the, the access that it gives you and its competitors like Bing. But uh, obviously Google is the one that does it. I would say that is the, that's the best resource that, that gives you access to all the other resources with some creativity in, uh, in using it and, and willingness to spend the time to go beyond the, just the basic uh, typing in a couple of words and uh, and and spending uh, a, a short time with the first two lists of hits that come back to go beyond that and explore it fully as to what the dimensions are uh, an unbelievable resource for legal research uh, and uh, non legal research. Thank You're you. Right. Go- Thank you. Google Scholar rocks. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Bill, the one last one last question that I have for you is is to I'd like for you to tell our listeners what you're working on currently and when is that next book going to be published? <laughs> well, actually this week the 5th edition of the Torts book is uh coming out. Um uh, but uh, as far as actually uh, working on new new material, I'm working on the 6th edition of the family law book for paralegals. 
Oh, that'll be great. I might need to get that to prepare for the family law section of the NALA CP exam. Um, Bill, if our listeners want to uh, purchase your publications, where is the best website online for them to do that? Well, to, to find out about them, the, the, the one that I've put together that lists them all is www.statsky, S-T-A-T-S-K-Y, dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, dot com www.statsky.blogspot.com. Uh, other than that, you know, it's it's really Amazon um, uh, is the best route. If you type my last name, it'll uh, it'll it'll send you there. Okay, we'll be sure to put that uh, put that information in our show notes for the, for this podcast. Great. If you yeah, we'll be sure to do that. Uh, if you have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. And if our listeners would like uh, more information on today's topic, Bill, how can they reach you? Well, uh, uh, my email is uh, bstatsky at pacbell, P-A-C-B-E-L-L, dot net. Uh, Thank you, Bill. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back. Introducing Westlaw Deposition Services. Our team will arrange the deposition logistics for you anywhere in the world. Our court reporters are certified live note reporters, making them the very best real-time reporters available. Our professional video production team produces trial-ready video, digitized and synced to the transcript. Experience the Westlaw Deposition Services difference so you can focus on the essential aspects of your work. To schedule a deposition, call 1-800-548-3668 or visit westlawdepositions.com. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. Lynn, this is when we talk about uh, what we're doing and some practice tips and social media tips and that kind of thing. But I'm gearing up for a really heavy travel schedule this fall. I'm going to be visiting with paralegals in Bismarck, in Rapid City, South Dakota, Missoula, Montana, Tulsa, and Los Angeles. So I hope if any of our listeners are there, they'll shoot me an email and uh, like to get together with them. And besides that, I'm also presenting several online courses for some large um, law firms and some new courses of my own. And I hope one of those is one that we're going to team up on. But that all leads me to my practice tip for today, which is just plain old never stop learning. There is, you know, technology changes day by day, and it's really important to keep up with trends and new software programs, as well as case law and ethics opinions. And the only way to do that is to attend these uh, live conventions and seminars and then to do some online learning also. Just got to keep current. And now I'd like to hear your social media tip for today. Oh, thanks, Vicki. Um, I'm right along those same lines of never stop learning. Uh, I'd ask my listeners to uh, raise your hand if you've ever gotten new technology and no trainer. Um, same here, people. And that's true of technology at home and technology at work. But through the power of social media, there are incredible technology training resources, including YouTube, uh, which has terrific how-to videos, and uh, professional blogs written 
especially for legal professionals using particular types of uh, technology. Um, I'm learning Adobe Acrobat, which we've never had in our office until about a month ago, and mastering my new iPod, which is named Precious iFat. That's P-H-A-T. Uh, precious, as in my precious. Um, so if you're a legal professional who's using an iPad, please email me at lindeveni.com. I've got some questions for you. And also just want to remind everybody that um, Practical Paralegalism is running a contest right now to win all five books in the Odelia Gray Mystery Series written by Sue Ann Jafarian. They are awesome. You'll want to read them all at once and not leave your house until you're done. And uh, you can get further details at practicalparalegalism.com. I saw that on your blog, Lynn, and I thought, I, I'd like to enter that contest, except just before that, I'd ordered all of them, and I'm having great, having great <laughs> you fun. You can have your own learning. contest. Yeah, Adelia is my brand new friend in Orange County. Anyway, that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice, so don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Lynn Deveni. And this is Vicki Voison, thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to be sure to make your paralegal voice heard. Goodbye, everybody. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.